I have two texts for our communion meditation, but one message. I want to read, first of all, from John's Gospel, and then from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 13. And in John's Gospel, I call your attention to John 15, John 15, verses 11 and 12. John 15, 11 and 12. Perhaps I should say 10 to 12. Jesus is the speaker, and he spoke these words. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that, you, that, your, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And then quickly over to Galatians, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 and verse 13. Galatians 5. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Father, you know the nature of this word this morning. You have, been, you have given this word. It was not something that one just simply liked and decided to speak on. So I pray that your spirit who alone can take the things of God and give us understanding of them, that he will take charge, full charge of me, my words, my thoughts, and I pray that the hearts of all will gravitate toward your truth this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 13 is a text that speaks of the fact that human government is an institution of God. Not only is human government an institution of God, because the government, the powers that be, have powers and authority beyond your understanding and mine. Some are known as despots. Some are known as dictator. Some are known as prime ministers. But governments can make decisions and pass laws that affect your life and mine. Some good, some not so good. In verse 3 of Romans 13, Paul said, It is not in vain that the government has the sword. That means that the government can, can, can do things that hurt people or do things that defend people.
you might want to know what has this to do with the communion. Government can do a lot of things because they have the power to do it. They can give and they can take away. But this morning I want to speak from these two texts on something are some things that the government can never give and therefore they can never take away. The first of these is what Jesus was saying to the disciples in John 15. It was the night before he was to be crucified when injustice was going to be displayed so openly that one would be ashamed to be a part of the whole system. He was with his disciples. He was sharing with them in intimate ways. And then, as it were, out of the blue he said to them, these things I have spoken unto you that my joy might be in you, or as some text says, remain in you, or continue in you. These things, what he has said before, I am speaking them that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be complete. <laughs> Think of it. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you something that no human government can give and therefore cannot take away. If you please, this message is part of the ongoing trauma that this country has felt since the election. And I want you to see that, that whether Christians or non-Christians, we can make the tragic mistake by thinking that the right person will give us the right thing. And, and, and Jesus is saying something here that I am giving you something that no government can give to its citizens and no government can take away in spite of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Consider with me the source of this gift of joy. The promise is not something from someone else. He's giving to his Disciples, what comes from him? It exists in him before there was the creation of the universe. This legacy is a spiritual legacy. And Jesus made sure that the disciples understood something. This is my joy. It, it, is, it is extant in me. It is something that comes from the eternal glories. I came on earth with it. It existed before time, and now I am giving this to you. It is my joy. What is joy? Joy is the inward satisfaction that gives contentment in spite of outward circumstances. Inward satisfaction that gives contentment in spite of outward circumstances. 
so that if the right person got in the office or the wrong person got in the office, it has nothing to do with my joy. Because my joy comes from God. My joy comes from eternity. My joy, listen to John 16, 22. The joy which I give to you, no one can take away from you. No one. Joy, the experiencing of calm, resulting, resulting, resulting from inward satisfaction. It is not shallow laughter. It, 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 is, it, is, it is a brand new energy that, is, that, that takes life circumstances and, and, and so, so see them from a different point of view so that in the midst of them, you are calm. You, are, you, you have pleasure, inward pleasure. Because what Jesus is saying, if you keep in my word, as we shall see later on, you will keep in, your father, in my Father's love just as I kept his word, and I abided in my Father's love. These things I am speaking to you that my joy might be in you, so that when you and I face life with all its bitter experiences, with all its disappointments, there is a joy that is a legacy from heaven to you. No one can take it away because no one gave it to you. It comes from Christ. And this is what I'm saying, friends. You know, our family got together on Thanksgiving Day and the table was nicely set. And, and <laughs> as I sat there looking at this beautifully set table, I mean, it was beautiful. I prayed, oh God, please do not let a word of politics come up around this table. <laughs> I did. My son-in-law told me a few days ago, he just had a write-in vote, and he voted for Bernie. I could have choked him. What if he had gotten in? Would we be able to sit and find pleasure in spite of the circumstances? Yes, because our joy does not come from who is occupying 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Our joy, my friends, comes from heaven. It belongs to Jesus. It is, it is that which he had pleasure in before there was time. And here we are this morning, sitting here, understanding this gift of joy that no one can take away because no one gave it to us. But I want you to see not only the source of Christian joy, I want you to see the stamina. The stamina. I'm just going to read some text that shows you what this, you know, in the 8th chapter of Nehemiah, in verse 10, Nehemiah said to the people after they were grieving over the awareness of their sins, Nehemiah said to them, stop grieving, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
And I went back over that text again this week. What does it mean that the joy of the Lord is your strength? It means that you will be able to find a refuge in your relationship with God that will bring you pleasure in spite of the awareness of your sin and in spite of what's going on around you. You will find this, this energy that comes from God. It is not exhausted by circumstances. It is there. And you can celebrate. And we shall see how this is done in a few minutes. According to the Old and the New Testament, joy remains in the face of life's extremities. I want to give you five ways in which this is done. Five ways in which joy is there in spite of the extremities of life. One, joy may be absent at a given event. But it will eventually come at the end. It might be absent at a given event. Listen. (laughs) When a woman is giving birth, said Jesus, there is no joy. I remember when our first child was born. I happened to see, not because at that time you didn't go in as I was with my second child. But when I saw the pain, the excruciating experience of my wife, and I saw all the the stuff, I remember saying to Lois, I don't want to put you through that again. And she looked at me and she said, never say that. Because she knew the joy that was coming after the pain. And in life circumstances, my friends, and the extremities, it might not be there at the present time, but it will come afterwards because you, you, you are abiding with him who went through it. Hebrews 11.2 says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy. That satisfaction, that sense of pleasure belongs to God. So joy may be absent at a given event but it will come eventually, John 16, 21. Secondly, joy can be experienced when life turns against us. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 gave those beautiful words, what we call the Beatitudes. And when he got to chapter 5, verse 10, he says, Men will say all kinds of things falsely against you for my sake. Rejoice. They will say all kinds of things falsely against you. Rejoice. Because great is your reward in heaven. (laughs) There are some joys, my friends, that will not be enjoyed here. They will be enjoyed there, but they will be there. Jesus said we can rejoice when life turns against us and how this is happening today. Joy, number three, that's Matthew 5, 10 to 12. Joy is unquenchable. Unquenchable. Listen to Paul. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. (laughs) You know where he was when he said those words? He was in prison. 
you know, a few months, years ago, I was reading about a, a prison in, in, uh, in Hamilton, Ontario, which was just about 30 miles from where we used to live. And the, the prisoners went on strike because they were taking away steak from their menu. <laughs> Paul had no such luxury. I want to read a verse of scripture to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34. Listen to this. You suffered with those who were thrown into prison. That's one aspect of joy. But listen to the other aspect. Hebrews 10, 34. And when all you own was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. <laughs> when all you own were taken away from you, you accepted it with joy because your, your, your faith was set in someone who promised something in a time to come that can never fail and can never be destroyed. See, the government can take away, government can make rules and laws and can do things to hurt people. You know, it's interesting, in 1949, when Mao Zedong said that he's going to kill Christianity forever in China, and he kicked every Christian missionary out of China, and the rest of the world, especially the Christian world, asked, what are we going to do? Ladies and gentlemen, today, China has the fastest growing Christian church in the world. In the world. Because there were a few people who existed at that time, who obeyed the word of God, and his joy was in them, and they continued, and they persevered, and they looked at all that they had lost, and they celebrated the fact that they had a joy that the government of China could not take away. And you and I, ladies and gentlemen, have a joy that nobody at the White House can take away, even if they make laws that go against our principles. We know that this world is not our home. Number four, joy finds pleasure in spiritual suffering. Now, this is not the same as what Jesus said before in Matthew 5. This is when there are people who bring sufferings on us because of our faith. And in Acts chapter 5, when the disciples were told they were not to speak the name of Jesus and they were flogged and put into prison, they continued to do it. And when they were found doing it, the authorities said to them, didn't we tell you not to speak in that name? And you know what they said? We must obey God rather than man. And then they said this. They went out, counting it a privilege. They were filled with joy that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. They, count, they were filled with joy. I tell you, sometimes I watch the news and I want, I want to blow up the television. When I hear what people are doing and what people are saying. And the disciples said they counted it joy that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. I wonder what will happen, friends, 
if one of these days we come out, come to church here, and there are a band of people spitting on us because we have certain Christian convictions that they do not want, and they want you to celebrate that with them. Will, will we? You know, I, I don't think that anything can be as horrible as someone spitting in someone else's face. I think that's the most despicable thing one can ever think about. Yet the disciples said they counted, they were worthy. They were filled with joy because they were suffering for Christ. Fifthly, Joyce is the energy that provides the ability to forget self and to serve others. This is the key. 2 Corinthians 6.10, St. <laughs> Paul said, always sorrowing, but making others joyful. Isn't that amazing? My sorrow is used with God's joy to make others happy, if you please. <laughs> and you know as well as I do that none of us wants to go into suffering. Yet that's what it does. When you read Nehemiah 8 and 10, when he said the joy of the Lord is your strength, now go out and serve others who do not have what you have. See, God's joy in us, my friends, doesn't lead us to burn somebody else's property. God's joy does, in us does not cause us to go and stop traffic, people going to work. God's joy means that I am able to serve in such a way that those who would see that kind of a behavior are amazed that it is possible for us to disagree with our government without seeking to overthrow it. The energy, not simply to enjoy personal joy, but to share it with others. That's, my friend, is something we ought to be thankful for. Thanksgiving ought to include thanking God for such a joy. Because that kind of a joy enables us to live life in spite of the circumstances and say, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. That's gift number one. Gift number two for which we ought to be thankful is in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, St. Paul is having quite a time with what is known as the Judaizers. These were people who, who wanted to say Christianity as it is is not sufficient. We need something else. And so Paul comes then in chapter 5, verse 1, and he makes this grand statement. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. One of the, one of the, the stated statements in the American Constitution is liberty. Liberty. Freedom. What does it mean to be free? I remember when Jamaica got its independence, I think in 1961. I remember reading a magazine with one of the Jamaican citizens running up the streets. We're free, we're free. I can even drive my car up a one-way street. That's not freedom. 
You, you will see in a minute, my, my friends, what this liberty that Christ has given to us really means. Let's look at this gift of liberty or freedom. The Bible makes it clear that freedom or liberty is in the constitution of God, not of man. First of all, our freedom, our liberty, is a purchased one. We did it with the cup. Our liberty is a purchased liberty. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That word free is a redemptive word. It means that Jesus did something so that he could free us from a slavery. Something that enslaved us, sin and Satan and anger and bitterness. Jesus died, he shed his blood to bring us from under that. So that in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, we read these words. That when he redeemed us, God moved us from the domain of Satan and his control and put us into the dominion of his son. When I was saved one good Friday morning, I didn't move from Central America to Canada or to the United States. I was still there. But that moment I received Christ, my friends, I will come to this in a few minutes, I changed citizenship. And my citizenship is in heaven. That's where our citizenship is. God moved us from this earthly domain that was controlled by Satan and put us into the kingdom of his son. And his son is in heaven. That's where he is. It was for freedom. Free is a redemptive word and shows that liberty or freedom was purchased not with human coins, but with the precious blood of Christ. I, I, I was in a meeting and I was opposing something that I thought was unbiblical and I can prove it was in the scriptures. And, and one of the persons in this meeting looked at me and said, you of all people should, and went on to say, and I knew what he meant. And I raised the upper torso. And I said to this person, I want you to understand something. My freedom was not signed by Abraham Lincoln. It was signed on the cross of Christ. That's where my freedom comes from. That's why my freedom, my friends, frees me from whatever. The government can do things. They can take things away. There are certain limitations I have in this country because I'm not a citizen. My son-in-law would say, why don't you become one like I will be? <laughs> See, liberty, listen now, government is an institution of God. And they have the right to rule, and they can use and abuse power. But listen, my obedience to the government is an obedience that begins in heaven, not men that I fear on earth. So even when I obey human laws, it is not because of human beings. 
I obey human laws because I am free. I can make the choice to say yes or no. Take away my goods if you want. But you cannot take away my liberty. Because my liberty is the energy that I have to do what you're telling me to do even though I disagree with you. Liberty. Freedom. See, as someone has rightly put it, freedom is not the right to do what you want. It is the privilege to do what you should. That's where it comes from. And it was purchased. So, so, that, so that when I, when I drive an I-5, and I used to drive on 401 and 409 and 905 in Toronto. I was not controlled by the traffic signs. I obeyed them. Some of them were stupid. <laughs> I, I can never understand why you're, why you're driving on a highway 65 miles an hour or 65 kilometers or 100 kilometers. Americans really get troubled when they cross the border because they go and they see 100 and they think it's 100 miles an hour. It's 100 kilometers. That means 60. And the police are waiting for those who think it's 100 miles an hour. And, and, and sometimes you come off the highway where there's 100 and then you get to one where there is 40. Even, you, don't, you don't even have time to take your foot off the brakes. You've got to drop to 40. That's the government. They have a right. I, I just heard two days ago that in Toronto, where Lois and I used to travel every day, the Dan Valley Parkway, they used to call it the Dan Valley parking lot. Because, you know, from morning until night, cars streaming six ways, six um, uh, rows across. Even more than that now, some of them eight. And now they'll begin to charge tolls. I hate that. You pay to get the road, and then you've got to pay to use them. I think that's horrible. I may disagree with it, but I'll never try to sneak around it. Because to obey that law comes not from the fear of the law, but from obedience to him. That's why I do it. I'm free. You don't own me. And again, my friends, may I just say for a moment, remember that the one who occupies the White House does not own you. You have been bought. You belong to Jesus Christ. And that sets you free. Free. Liberty, which Paul speaks, is exemption from ceremonies of law the observance of which was demanded by false apostles as necessary. But let the reader at the same time remember that such liberty is only a part of that which Christ has procured for us. Listen to what Paul says. The purpose for your liberty is not that you might use your liberty as a cloak to do what you want. Because I'm free, I can drive my car up a one-way street. None at all. None at all. The purpose of liberty is free from the domination of that which causes me to take matters into my own hand. It is a freedom not to join those who are doing it. 
you know, my, our son is getting quite involved in, in, in Seattle, and he's serving on committees for race relationship and so on. And there's one thing that has been the most amazing thing to me is that from a child, he learned that he had parents who had different pigmentation, but one nature, and that is the nature of Christ, and that we exist not to try to bring men together. We exist to serve God, and in our service to him, we do not need to resort to the things they do. And every time Christopher and I talk, I listen carefully to make sure that he's not veering to the right or to the left, but he's keeping to the book. And I think that this is what so many appreciate about him in Seattle. Listen. Listen to Paul. In fact, let me read it for you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. You don't need to turn there, but just listen unless you're taking notes. Ephesians 2 and 6. Listen to this. Verse 5, then 6. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. By grace you have been saved and you have been raised up. Not to seat with Jesus, but you are seating with Jesus in heavenly places. So Paul could say in, in Galatians, uh, Philippians 3.10, our citizenship is in heaven. So our behavior is not spurred on, my friends, by what is happening around us. Our direction for everyday living comes from heaven. <laughs> Peter puts it in a different way. He said, sanctify the Lord in your heart and be ready to give any man who asks you the reason for your hope. You know who was reigning then? Nero. And you know what Nero did? Nero used Christians for candles in Rome. Burn Rome with the bodies of Christians. And listen to Peter. Honor the king. Wow. Why? Because he was free. We don't honor the king because of the king. We honor the king because of God. Our purpose, my friends, our liberty does not come from those we vote for. We give them the privilege of having our vote, but they do not control our lives. The purpose for liberty is that it is used to serve others. That's what it is used for. Listen to Paul. It is my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Let me explain this for you in one illustration. Tradition has it that when Peter was being murdered, they were going to put him on a cross. And Peter asked, kill me upside down. I don't want to... Think, I don't think that I'm worthy to die like my Lord on a cross with my hands stretched out. Kill me upside down. Death did not control Peter. Peter said, I can die. It doesn't matter. 
And I can choose the way I want to die. And now I'm not talking about assisted suicide here now. <laughs> but what he's saying, I have the freedom. I ask you, this is the way I want you to, if you are going to take my life, this is the way. And he was not sick. He was not a mental case. He was just so in control of life that glorifying Christ was all he lived for. His freedom was not a cloak. My time is gone. Let me just say this. The principle of liberty or freedom comes from Jesus. Listen to John 8:32. Jesus said, and you, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth, that which is real, that which deals with life as it really is, not as we think it ought to be. You shall know the truth. Where are you, where are you getting the truth from? From God. Jesus said, I am the truth. And that truth which he brings into your life and mine will set us free. It will continue. Time will change. And presidents will change. And governors will change. But stand upon the truth. And no government will own you. You will be free. Because your life is based upon the truth. And you know what life is from a human point of view, but you know what life is from a divine point of view. You can live in this world in spite of who's ruling because your life is hidden with Christ in God and your citizenship is in heaven, not on earth. That's where we are going. And by faith, we get instructions now to be able to deal with life because we're free. We're not controlled by the speed signs. We are set free by God. Let me close with 1 Peter 2, 13 and 16. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 reads this way. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do what is right. Verse 16. Act as free men and women and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. We don't have to burn because we don't like. We don't stop traffic because we don't like. We do not participate with those who do. We may not agree, but I am so free that whatever is usable from the government, I will use, and whatever is not, I will ignore. But I'm not going to ignore things so readily. I will seek in every way in which I can honor the king because I fear the Lord. Reasons for thanksgiving. Two of them, Lord. Joy and liberty. Oh, may they mark our lives. And may people who come in contact with us this week know something of the joy that we have that is a legacy from Christ and the liberty we have that is not controlled by government power and authorities, 
government are obeyed because there's a higher law that calls on me to obey them. And like Peter, we want to say at any time the government supersedes that, we want to say we had better re- uh, obey God rather than men. Because every human law, every human institution is a gift to the human race. But we can live with them when we live in the fear of the Lord. May we be such, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.